0: With Medical Memory recording hundreds of thousands of patients with their HIPAA compliant mobile app, we felt it was relevant to start discussing the best practices in patient communication, especially now that so many providers are recording these patient interactions with video. My name is Julie and I've spent 15 years working with physicians to strengthen their communication skills. Listen in as we learn tips from the industry's best inpatient experience. How can we strengthen these patient and family conversations and help our nurses and providers optimize their time, especially now that the camera is on? So quiet on the set, roll camera. This is scene one, take one, patient. Now, action. I'm Julie Sukup uh, with our next episode of Take One Patient. I'm incredibly excited that I'm talking to Dr. Anthony Romeo. Um, he is an orthopedic surgeon at Julie Health and Care as over 90 providers that are doing surgery for patients there. Um, and a few articles that he's written and his expertise about patients' complications really intrigued me. And so I asked him to be a guest on our podcast, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Uh, so thank you for being here. I'd love if you kind of took a minute to, to introduce more in the, of the depth and breadth of, of your experience before we get started.
1: Sure. Thank you, Julie, for the opportunity uh, to speak with you today. I'm the Executive Vice President for the Musculoskeletal Institute at Dooley Health and Care. Dooley Health and Care is now currently over a thousand providers or physicians. Um, and in, within that group, 90 of the physicians are related to the management of musculoskeletal problems, such as orthopedics, spine, rheumatology, and neurology. Uh, and my particular interest is in the field of orthopedics with a special expertise in shoulder and elbow surgery. I've been uh, president of the Shoulder and Elbow Society Uh, in the United States and I've had a big role in uh, much of the teaching and education related to shoulder and elbow over the last 25 years. And that's really where my patient population comes from uh, in terms of the care that I provide on a daily basis for for those patients.
0: Fantastic. Well, I think one of the things that that really interests me in our conversation that we were having previously and in a lot of the articles that I've read um, that you have written Um, really dealt around patient complications and, and not only how to handle communication with your patients and their families after the fact, but also how to really ensure that you're kind of setting expectations and setting things up um, from the very, very beginning. Um, So tell me a little bit kind of where, where that, especially as far as, that beginning piece of setting expectation of where um, some of these articles and some of the the need to kind of get that information out to other providers stemmed from um, with your experience.
1: As you go through your career, um, you take on more and more advanced and more complicated issues, not only with patient care, but also with patient management. And I think it's really important to, to pay forward, but also to pay back. And that is that Uh, And someone in in my position with the experience I have, I can share uh, with my peers and also the younger physicians uh, some of the challenging experiences I've had with patients, which are opportunities to try to do a better job in caring for those patients. And probably uh, one of those areas that really affects all of us in the healthcare delivery system is when a patient has a complication. And a complication really can be defined as when the outcome of the treatment was not what you and the patient expected. And typically it's, uh, it affects them in a way that's a negative uh, result. And so the ability to, to speak with your patients about that is really important. And it begins from before the treatment actually starts. And so like with any relationship, one of the most common reasons why relationships fail is the failure to meet expectations. So the important thing is to start from the very beginning to set the expectations. And we kind of have this idea that we, we want to underpromise and overdeliver. Uh, we don't want to tell patients that, oh, this is you know, 100% of the time you're going to do great and nobody ever has a problem because that's just not life. Yeah. The yeah. only way to avoid complications is if you don't operate in right. terms of surgery. And so yeah. we have to have that discussion up front.
0: Well, and it's interesting that you're even talking about that and using that word as a discussion is, you know, we had a previous guest um, who was a doctor and a lawyer, and he was really talking about how informed consent, which is where you're supposed to go over risks, benefits, and alternatives, how it really needs to be a very thorough dialogue um, about, okay, this is, this is what this is, but these are some of the things that you're looking at kind of walking into and really setting that expectation, setting that tone from the beginning.
1: Well, I can tell you that when you speak to anyone that has a legal background, they're going to give you this perspective that you have to have this laundry list of things that you have to do to protect yourself if something happens. And that's one approach. But the other approach is to develop a relationship with the patient where they know that you are doing everything you can to help them get better. And they trust you. And if they trust you, you're not going to have to worry about whether you hit every single thing on that laundry list every time because right. you are working with that patient in a relationship where they know you're going to do everything you can to make it right. And I think that's the best place to start from the perspective of a provider. And then I think it's helpful to have experts in the legal field tell us, well, this is the checklist of things that you yeah. really also want to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting even that you are saying that because um, one of Medical Memory's biggest clients um, is Barrow, Brain, and Spine, which is also like scheduled surgeries. And so they have created a bunch of videos that are the like informed consent videos that go over risk benefits, alternatives, everything under the sun in a very simple way that they can send to patients very simply and track the patients had that. But that's what they're saying is then it allows me to know, okay, I have given them all that information that I need to Now I can focus on our communication and our trust, because I know kind of that piece has been covered, you know, with medical memory. So um, it's interesting because they had kind of a very much a line of, we have to cover both, but I want my, I I need to invest that 10 minutes or invest that extra time I have to making sure that we're connected and making sure they trust me and making sure that we're building that kind of relationship from the beginning, just as much as the legal part.
1: Yeah, I I think there's a lot of a difference approaches to it from the legal perspective, and I'm not an expert in the legal world, but I can tell you there's some attorneys who will tell you, you don't wanna put every single thing you can think of because the one right. thing that's not on there, they'll say, well, you didn't include this and that was sure. the problem. Right. Do you really wanna present the perspective that you inform the patient of the most common challenges and problems that can happen with this type of surgical intervention, and that there's ways around that or managing those things if they need to happen, but you should be aware that this can happen. And again, setting those expectations, but really more than anything else, you have to get the patient to trust you. And one of the really important viewpoints that a physician has to have, and remember every single time, is that patients do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think it's really important you develop a relationship with your patient where they say, this doctor cares about me, he's gonna do a surgery. And then if something doesn't work at the end, he's more likely than not, they say, you know what? I know you did your best, these things can happen and we'll work through it together. Certainly there's times where there's a liability and we wanna cover that. And I don't wanna downplay the importance of that. But for someone who's been in practice for almost 30 years and has not been in the courtroom related to these issues, I think that developing a relationship with your patients is your best approach to malpractice, and then let the attorneys advise you on the other paperwork and other things that can be helpful.
0: Sure. Well, and that's, and so that being said is let's talk, because of the other article that you had written and, and I thought that you have so much great advice of is, okay, so now We have gone through surgery, and now there is a complication. Um, What advice? And and so whether that be the physician that actually had the complication or even a physician that's being referred to, which that was one of your specialties is a lot of times you're being referred. What are some of the things that that you really encourage physicians to think about um, in terms of communication when there is a complication on their own case, um, let alone someone else's?
1: I I really have a a broad experience with this because not only do I have my own complications occasionally, hopefully as minimal as possible, but as you mentioned, because of my position in this community, um, more than a third of my patients come to me have already had a surgery that did not result in the outcome that they expected. And many times they're upset, frustrated, or just clearly angry uh, about the way things went. And so I have to manage that not only for myself, but also for the referring physician in terms of how to take care of that. And I think that uh, the, really the, the British Medical Society has a concept which they call the duty of candor. And I think that's an important concept too. And that is you've got to be honest and you be as honest as possible. And that is you try in my situation and ter- ter- taking care of these patients, first of all, this is the problem that you have. This is what I believe is the best way that we can management going forward. And this is what we expect the outcomes and immediately the patient's gonna wanna go back to, well, why did this happen and, and who's at fault? There's this is typical human nature. And the real key to our care uh, for these individuals is to say re- that our focus needs to be on how we can take care of your problem and get you out of the situation that you're in here and get you into a better place. And and we'll work with you to try to get that outcome much closer to what you expected. But I. It's important, again, to develop the trust. The patient knows that you care for them, that you're going to give them hope that there's going to be a better outcome. And you're going to do everything you can to try to make sure and execute going forward with a plan that's going to actually make that difference for them.
0: Right. Well, and I, and I appreciate how much you talked about You know, really saying focus on the future. You know, saying you know, especially when you're the you're the new physician that's potentially revising something else of being, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not an expert. I wasn't in the surgery, but let's focus on today and our relationship and how we're going to move forward. And that I'm going, you know, providing hope and saying let's just keep this future focused. Let's keep this focus on what we're going to do about it now, um, which I think is which is profound and also you know based probably on a lot of experiences in that situation.
1: I think patients uh, oftentimes do have a a natural tendency to want to place blame. For me, the important thing is to validate their concerns and say, you know what, you do have a problem. It's a real problem. It is not what what was expected from your surgical procedure. And I'm sorry that this happened. And I know that it's created a lot of of challenges for you in terms of pain and inability to uh, use your limb or to have the functions you want. But let's think about what you initially presented with, what happened, and how we can get you closer to that expected outcome that was talked about before your surgery. And I think there's some ways we can work on that to help you out with that. And I I do appreciate that this is a really tough problem for you. And I I know uh, that you've had to deal with it for a lot longer than our visit together. Uh, But I would like to focus on... I've got this problem. How can I spend as much energy as possible in figuring out how to give you the best solution? And I think that really does help uh, the patients have a, a sense of that, okay, uh, the doctor's listening. He he knows that I've had this real issue. He's not discounting it as being something that just can happen uh, randomly, but actually it really was a problem. And in addition, he's helping me figure out what's a better way to get to where we'd like to go. And, and that's really important for them.
0: Right. Now, when you do have a patient that has been referred to you um, and they are continuously going negative or continuously mad or angry, I mean, how, how do you, how do you pull them kind of out of even that space or um, that, that just their emotions are really high? Like how do you manage that? Mm -hmm.
1: It's a, I think again, it comes back to developing that relationship of trust. I think one of the most important things is that the physician has to be willing to listen. And there's so much about being present, but being mindful in terms of relationships in general. And when you sense that this patient's really angry and very negative and really wants to kind of dig in, the most important thing to do is just be quiet and and listen, let the patient have their moment, let them say what they need to say, even if it really is a real complication somewhere else, but exactly. give them a chance to express themselves. And it's sort of a cathartic event for them to get that out to the doctor. The doctor listen to me and and it takes another few minutes to do that, but it will be helpful if they continue down this path of just negative all the time. Sometimes you have to say uh, to the patient, you know, i I. Can understand why you're so upset i can't resolve your anger but if everything is going to be about how disappointing and how angry you are and and how upset this is we're going to have a really hard time focusing on how to get you to a better place and so i i appreciate that this is an important uh, feeling and emotion that you have to have But while we're here together, let's try to figure out where we need to go so that we can alleviate some of the problems that you're dealing with.
0: Right. Well, and I think that that was really um, is amazing to say kind of like I'm going to give you, you know, grace in this space and appreciate the fact that like you're not shying away from the emotions that they're truly having. Because, you know, yeah, they have maybe a reason to be upset or they are in a lot of pain and they're definitely not living the life that they thought that they were pre-surgery. Um, and so allowing that, that outlet or that grace to just allow them to, to have it allows them to move forward, it sounds like.
1: Well, it may sound um, a bit awkward, but in fact, when that happens, I try to find a closer personal space with that individual. And that means if I'm standing up, I'm sitting down. Yeah. And I'm face to face with that person and I'm right in front of them. And I want to have eye contact and let them say what they need to say. right? Because I, I think that it's so valuable to allow them to share with you how they tr- truly feel, even if it's very negative and angry, that if you give them that moment, if you give them that grace, that's going to make a big difference in the trust that they have for you and your ability to get closer to the outcome that they were expecting.
0: Right. And so for even providers that don't have the experience that you have um, or have done it kind of for as long, it sounds like sometimes even the best two things that you can do is just get quiet and pay attention to your body language. And you don't have to say it all or defend anything. It's almost just like get quiet and and, and get closer or pay attention to kind of the nonverbals that you're having.
1: Yeah, I think it comes back again to the fact that, and I think when you're younger uh, in your profession, uh, there's a sense of that, well, I need to prove to this patient that I know what I'm doing and I can take care of this problem. I'm smart enough to figure this out. I've seen this problem, we'll figure it out. And again, just remember, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Establish that sense that you really care for them. You're listening to them. You're understanding their problem. And when they're ready, then you say, okay, now that we're in a better place and you don't have to say that, but you want to sense that they're now listening to you. Here's your problem. This is why I think this happened. This is how we're going to try to solve that problem. And these are the steps going forward. And I think you can be very successful in helping manage that patient with that type of approach. Right.
0: Well, and as you had said in in your article is, is one of the best thing, even if, if you were the physician that had the complication is being honest, a hundred percent correct. Yeah. This is what, this is, wasn't what we expected. This is what's happened, but also is apologizing. And, and that apologizing isn't necessarily meaning that you're admitting guilt or admitting that there's that fault or admitting, well, I told you before or any of that. It's just more so kind of bringing you both to the same level of, of just saying, I'm sorry, that, I'm sorry that this is happening. Um, you know, and how it can really calm both people.
1: Yeah. You know, that, that was really an issue as a human being. When you see someone hurting or suffering, um, you want to say, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. This is happening to you. And unfortunately in the legal system, there were places where that was picked up as aha. He's, that person is guilty. They said they were sorry. They must be guilty. Fortunately, The vast majority of states have passed laws that say when you apologize, you're not admitting guilt. And that is the most appropriate thing. I think one of the things that uh, really people don't understand unless you're in, in our position is that when a patient has a problem, when they have a complication, it hurts us, too. It's very difficult on us, too. Most of us have been driven to try to be the best student Uh, the best doctor, the best surgeon, and if we do something and it results in a bad result, it's very, very challenging for us in terms of our own egos, in terms of our own mental health, to just accept that, that, well, that's the way things go. It, It really bothers the vast majority of us in a way that I don't think all the patients really understand. We think about it at night. We think about it when we're working on other things. We always talk about the fact that when you take an exam, the one question you remember is the one that you miss. And the ones you get wrong. It's the same here. You could do 100 shoulder replacements and one patient gets an infection, which can happen in 1% or less, and it will drive you crazy. Figuring out, gosh, did we, did we make sure that the antibiotics were in on time? Did we do the proper prep? Did we make sure that we washed the shoulder out very carefully after the surgical implants were done? And, and everything can be perfect, but I think patients should understand that for us, um, it is also a secondary injury for us. And so I do want to say when they have a complication in my piece, I'm sorry this has happened, but here's what this issue is. And here's how we're going to help you out. So I'm sorry, and I apologize. I do understand what the problem is, and we've dealt with this before, and I'm going to give you hope that we can get to a much better place than we are today. And that's my goal when I have to address a complication in one of my patients.
0: Right, right. And that's one of the things in that same article that I thought was interesting is that even if it does have to get referred to another physician is really is making sure you're not abandoning that patient and being almost lean into engaging more in their care versus, you know, okay, that's your problem now, you know, but leaning more into ensuring that you're still a part of, of, of that process even as they go, and that it's almost an element of healing for both even with that as, as they are being referred out.
1: Yeah, in, in my uh, practice, I've reached a, a level where, it, it, you know, many of those cases are referred to me. <laughs> And so I take care of that end stage. But there are occasionally the rare problem, like for instance, a neurologic injury where a nerve may have been injured in a way that wasn't seen at the time of surgery, wasn't necessarily cut, it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And they need to have some of these unique modern procedures like a nerve transfer. And that's done by very specialized people that do microvascular surgery that I don't do tendon transfers and tendon grafts. So I've got to refer them out to that. and But I tell the patient, listen, this is your problem. This is the individual who specializes in this in a very high level. And I'll call them and tell them what happened and explain to them so you don't have to worry about that. And then give them my recommendation and work with them to come up with the best plan to treat you. It's really important, again, care for your patients, listen to your patients, and stay involved with their future care, even if it goes to another provider so that you can make sure again, that the patient realizes this doctor really does care about me and is doing everything they can to get the best result.
0: Right now um, for for the one thing that you speak uh, so much about is making sure that you're building that relationship and making sure you're taking that extra mm-hmm. little bit to have time and, and whatnot. Um, so one of the things that I thought, for a lot of our providers are like, gosh, I'm just so busy, I'm overwhelmed, you know, sometimes I don't have that extra 10 minutes or, or whatever that might be, you know, that's where a lot of physicians that we encounter start using video um, with medical memory or even recording these visits with medical memory so that patients still have more access to it. But that being said is one of the things that I thought was really um, awesome that you were talking about was it's not just you building that relationship and that communication and that, that you had talked about, you know, if you're not having the time, is really leverage your team and have a true team approach to making sure that 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 patient has a great experience. So, talk to me just a little bit more about about how you do that and ensure that your team really has that same value that that you have in patient communication.
1: You know, in 2022, everybody thinks that technology is going to solve all of the problems in healthcare and including the relationships between the doctor and the patient, so more video, more digital, uh, more handouts, that is not the answer. That is the assist to what needs to be done. The answer is still the relationship between you and your patient. And so yes, if you want to put videos in, sure, you can do that. But really, the more personal it is, the more human it is, the more effective it is. So you have a physician assistant, you have a medical assistant, you have a receptionist, your surgical scheduler, maybe the radiology technician, all of these people are interacting with your patient. And your patient needs to feel like the team is focused on their care and is trying to figure out how to do the best thing for them. And so what's important is that you and in this situation, if I'm have this group that I work with on a regular basis, and I'm sort of the captain of the ship. We need to find time, preferably once a week, to sit down and go over things. What did we do well this past week? What did we have some problems with? And let's look at our cases going forward next week, particularly with our surgeons schedule. We like to look ahead and do that. And we meet together as a team, and we talk about these things. And they'll yeah. say, you know, Mrs. Smith had a really tough time and she was not happy at the front desk. And I said, well, how did you manage that? Yeah. And, and I want them to be concerning and, and concerned and listening and helping them out. And I, I want my physician assistant and I want to have the whole group working towards that patient feeling like we're here for them. And, and the real insight to healthcare in the future, the, work, the way it's going to work is whatever we do, we put the patient at the center, And if we do that, no matter what the technology is, we keep putting them at the center, we'll come up with a better answer. There's no doubt that technology is going to help us, but the, but it's never going to substitute never in my lifetime for the relationship between the people that interact with them and that patient.
0: For sure. And it's so interesting you say that because with a lot of the, um, or, you know, orthopedic or even neurosurgeons that we work with. It, it it also goes to you only have so much time, um, and so if you only have an hour or a certain amount of time with a patient, is how do you want to utilize that? And I think that that's what becomes really profound when you are using resources like video or using you know recording the conversation so that a patient can review this awesome experience that you're having together and review like the connection and seeing that. That trust being built later, it allows the provider to be like, I know the educational piece was covered. I know my mm-hmm. patient's not going to call back because they have a recording of our dialogue. So now I can just truly just have this extra five minutes, less worried about all the education or all the other pieces, and and being able to focus it more. And so just as I think you said, it really beautifully is it. It's not. It's never going to replace that human interaction. But I think technology, especially as it relates to patient education, patient video, take some of that, that burden that still evolves for some providers on, I have to cover everything and I got to make sure that I educate and I got to make sure that I don't have the risk that, okay, there's these tools that are in place. So now that you have that five minutes, you can focus more on, on that trust and on building that and have these resources that you know exist that will help support patient education in that process. And so for a lot of our physicians, when they're recording you know, telling a patient for the first time, you have neurosurgery, you have spine surgery and they're able to be in that moment with them when family members are watching it later, they're like, gosh, that provider really cares about you. And it's building that trust equity for everybody because the provider's like, I, I know that they have these other pieces. Now I get this extra time, you know, there. And so I think that's where technology really can, can support more is it, it, it provides more time, you know, in some spaces. So that you can uh, focus but... on that. I,
1: I think all your comments are entirely appropriate. And so for me, again, um, you know, not everybody has the ability to have all of the technology uh, that you mentioned, but if they do, it's wonderful. And there's no doubt that the patient satisfaction, patient experience has improved, and we should all work towards that.
0: Yeah, but yeah. for me,
1: again, uh, it begins with putting the patient to, in the center, developing a trusting relationship with them, and then bringing all this together with the people that you work with, the technology you have available. So certainly recording it is very valuable, but if you had no personal relationship with that patient, if you didn't develop a trusting relationship with that patient, if you didn't have the ability to be, Uh, Have candor and honesty. If you didn't have the ability to care, show that you cared for them, that video is actually detrimental. And so, again, we start with that centerpiece. And there's, I think it's a wonderful time for our profession and healthcare, but also the patients to use technology to really expand the experience beyond what people have had in the past. But start with the core principles and then add some of these wonderful technological advances that we have, like you've mentioned, videotaping the experience. Uh, And and I think it'd be wonderful, you know, you videotape the experience, the patient has access now through a number of different uh, mechanisms to their own medical records, to their own radiological studies. And it's also a nice thing that you can do for your patients, and I've done this, I have a very intelligent patient that wants to know what's going on on the MRI and shows that I say, here, take your phone out for a minute And just stand over here and I'm going to, in the next 30 to 60 seconds, I'll show you on this MRI, here's what it is, it's this, this, and this, and explain it to you. And then you have a record of that and you can show that to your family members. So these are wonderful, wonderful advances that we have to have. But the reason why I have the opportunity to share that with my patient is because they trust me and they know that I care for them and they know I'm going to try to do a really good job. If I don't do that first, they don't care what I say on that video. So I, I, yeah. uh, everything you said is absolutely correct and really just uh, makes it incredibly more fulfilling patient experience if you can put all of that together.
0: Right. And that's why I think it's amazing hearing a lot of your experiences when things are a little hard and are a little stressful. Um, so for some of the people that are wanting to use these things, but they're not as comfortable because they haven't kind of learned some of these things or or, or had a complication. Oh my gosh. What if? What if this happens? And and a lot of your experience and your expe- expertise and your true like values, I think, really shines in a lot of these um, articles that that you're writing. And then as far as a lot of this, as far as, um, you know, building that that trust, equity, ensuring that candor, um, and really leaning in there first, because a hundred percent, if that's not there, it doesn't matter anything else all of its noise <laughs> if you don't have that, that piece first. Um, and it's, and right. if, with all your experience that you're still coming back to that problem, which is why you got into medicine is, is pretty, pretty amazing. So I, I so appreciate your intellect um, and, and your, um, and your experience. And, and I think it's a lot of the things that you have mentioned are incredibly valuable for a lot of people that are wanting to really take their communication skills, you know, to the next level to implement some of these things. So, I so appreciate you so much for, for joining. Is there anything last minute that you kind of want to add?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I um, people make the comment, you know, it's the practice of medicine and and that's what it is. It's the practice. You you can't sit on the sidelines. You have to be on the field of play to manage these challenging problems. And you have to move into it with grace, but confidence and just remember the principles, show the patient, you care about them by listening to them, come up with a reasonable solution, even if that means somebody else yeah. and make sure that they know that you're going to follow through with this and, and make sure they're okay. And if you can add the technological advances and enhancement that you mentioned, it's going to be even that much more of fulfilling, a fulfilling experience for your patients. But the worst thing you can do is become intimidated by the process and walk away and not try to help that individual. That's the worst thing you can do. It's really a time to dig in and be the very best doctor that you can. And it will pay off. It will be the right thing for both you and the patient. It will also help you uh, heal inside when these things happen in your own patients, which is a very challenging thing for many of us to manage.
0: Yeah, awesome. You're great. Thank you so much for all your wisdom. Um, You're just a wealth of knowledge and I so appreciate your time.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it and continue to do a great job with what you're working on. All right,
0: thank you.
1: It's gonna gonna make a big difference and and I think it's wonderful. Thank you.
0: Awesome, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Okay. And cut. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Take One Patient. We hope you have a nugget or two you can implement into your practice with your patients Today. For more information about recording your visits with a HIPAA compliant app, go to www.themedicalmemory.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Julie Recording Doctors. Thanks again.